Welcome to the Habibis Podcast. Three game developers drinking good herb tea. I'm your host for this fine day, evening. <laughs> <laughs> Fauzi Mesmar. And I'm Osama Dorias. And I'm Rami Ismail. So, um, the reason why I stuttered, as I said, uh, day, evening, is because <laughs> um, it's in Sweden, it's, um, it's, I think it's almost 11, uh, an hour before midnight uh, mm-hmm. as we're recording this. Mm-hmm. And there's still sun in the sky because right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Sweden and and summer is in full swing. Wow, it's ridiculous how long it's like. I'm in the Netherlands. I'm a little further south, but day is long. Man, it's yeah. so good. It's like uh, today was 25 degrees, <laughs> oh, and nice. like you know the sun, like beautiful weather. The sun was out the entire day evening, whatever it is. <laughs> right, <laughs> the sun is still out. Um, I yeah. Just, it doesn't I set that remember, long. I was in uh, Örebro. Uh huh. Uh huh. And yeah. I was there during Ramadan. Oh and it was god. midsummer. Oh, oh god! And it was not good. <laughs> it was like it was oh like night god. from like eleven forty-five until like one thirty or something. And I was oh like, "What? Excuse me? The longest fast ever?" Oh right. god! That that <laughs> is probably one of like only two downsides of like the sun being out the entire time. Like one of them is like if it if it Ramadan, you're kind of screwed. <laughs> and the second of all, it makes it really difficult to play video games unless I have to close all the curtains yeah, everywhere right. around us because i get so right. much glare on my tv yeah yep. projecting uh, and speaking as a parent i think it would also be hard because you want to put your kids to bed at a reasonable time that's true, that's it's true. really hard to justify I, wow, that was, that sentence went somewhere completely different than i thought i used to travel with a projector uh-huh. <laughs> so i could play video games i would bring my playstation with me and my projector and i thought when you said projecting was difficult i was like oh yeah yeah for sure yeah projectors <laughs> Yeah, projectors would really be difficult. Hard. Yes, yeah. <laughs> really good projector. I love gadgets. I have too many gadgets, but I have this really good travel projector from Sony, and um, I would just plug a PlayStation into it, and it will be so much better than most hotel rooms uh, TVs because those really? hotel room TVs, I don't know why they always have such bad TVs because they don't have, to have good TVs. TVs. <laughs> but then the other thing is, ninety percent of them you'd have to like figure out what the security mechanism is to switch it to a different HDMI input. Yeah. So I would be sitting in hotel rooms. I got really good at like identifying what what system they were using. And I knew the unlock codes for like a number of those hotel TV brands. (laughs) So I could switch it to a different HDMI. Uh, I knew how some of the, the like little, the little boxes under those TVs worked and how I could like send a signal to them from my computer to like override stuff, that's I'm pretty incredible. Sure. I, I, was wild. I struggled I with very the same similar thing, but things. I, the kind I give of up like override quicker. TV uh, TV stuff to hook my switch into right. it, yeah. and dock, <laughs> or to hook my PC and like be able to play movies or way to project like mirror my phone. Right. Um, if <laughs> that's to... not smart at all, I can find a way so I can <laughs> like watch the things I want to watch or play the things I want to play. I always traveled with a Chromecast and a PlayStation. Yeah. Although I have to say, like, flight potentially coming up again. I'm working on some paperwork stuff uh, to be allowed my my second flight of 2021, which is wild. It's halfway through the year, and I've been on an airplane twice. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, now I'm I'm looking at my PS5 and I'm like, y'all. You really, y'all, y'all screwed me really bad with this one. The thing is, like, it doesn't fit in my trolley and my suitcase. Like, I'm, what is this device? One, one could only hope that you know, uh, now that uh, everybody has five G installed, that you'll have yeah. very super fast internet connection, and you'll be able to just stream into your PS Five exactly. in the Netherlands. Yeah. I, I did that before when there was big Destiny stuff, and even on like old internet, that wasn't, it wasn't that bad. It depends on uh, the game. Like, I, right. I wouldn't be able to play a fighting game or maybe even a shooter like that. What is it with y'all in fighting games? Like, it's always <laughs> fighting. There's other games, mate. Like, there's racing you're, games. You're right. Where... You're right. Uh, but I, what I meant more is that, you know, like, fighting games are very, very right. dependent on latency. Like, you cannot. Like, if there's two frames, you feel those two frames yeah. that drop. Um, but you can play, like, RPGs. You can play some two, 2D play- games. Yeah. I played Destiny. Most of Destiny was not that high-risk play, right? It's very chill play. It's very end-of-the-evening mm. play. So even though I would miss frequently and I would get a little nauseous over time, it still worked. I played yeah. a lot you know, of my Persona 5, actually, on my PlayStation Vita. 
when I was right. traveling because I was traveling like crazy in 2017. And uh, I was either playing Breath of the Wild, which was portable, or I had my Vita and I'm playing Persona 5 uh, mm. from my PS4. That's amazing. But then Strikers came out on Switch, didn't it? it Persona did. 5 Strikers. It did. Yeah, that, that's incredible. Like carrying a Persona game with you properly on a, on a Switch big yeah. screen. I mean, Persona nice. was always portable. Like, you know, Persona right. 4, I played portable. I played uh, 4 Golden. <laughs> I think 4 Golden, I played portable. Yeah. Is that possible? Golden. Yeah, yeah. I think that was it. Yeah. Golden, yes. Yeah. Good stuff. Oh, but anyway, to go back to the sun and glare and how it's making it difficult to play video games, um, especially the video game I'm playing right now, I'm playing Resident Evil 8. <laughs> just, a very, uh, <laughs> just a very sunshine kind of game. Exactly. So the sunshine is going, there's a lot of glare on the TV and it's, yeah. it's a, there's a lot of darkness <laughs> and I can't see anything. Well, that, that's the <laughs> only way like, that I play horror games, by the way. I get scared from horror games. I jump Do you like get crazy. like a nice... Do you get like a nice rainbow glare on your screen? <laughs> like, like everything is like nice and rainbows, and then like monsters. But it's reassuring. Like if you if you're playing at night, that you know every jump scare is I, a lot scarier, right? Yanni, I can't I can't play any horror games. Like I just I cannot play horror. I don't know what it is. Like it's the jump scares. Like I yeah. get that it's I get that there is like the tension is fun. Yeah, but then the jump scare to me actually isn't fun. Yeah. So, I'm a, how's how's Resident Evil Eight though? I so I am a big fan of Resident Evil, as you guys know. The first game is on my <laughs> top ten all all time favorite games. Yep. Listen uh, to the Horror Bites if you want to know more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved Seven. I thought Seven was fantastic, and it's a really nice return to form for the series. Um, and Resident Evil 8 so far is a continuation of that. So I haven't finished it. I'm, I'm trying very hard to play it in whatever darkness I can get, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is like, you know, knock on wood, it's been fantastic. We haven't been getting much of those, and I'm not complaining. Hmm. Um, so I think I'm like three or four hours in. Um, it's on the same engine, the Resident Evil engine, which is also like, uh, like it's really good, like uh, the, the graphics and the rendering that it does. Um, I like what the engine can do. Uh, really good at uh, rendering intestines. It's like <laughs> carefully crafted <laughs> to, to render realistic looking intestines. Um, uh, yeah, the I don't want to I don't want to spoil the story too much. But you find yourself in a village in the middle of uh, of a snow, like very early on, and then you're chased with all sorts of like um, fast. Uh, fast and uh, scary monsters this game what i like about like in seven there was a lot of homage to the first couple of games um in eight there is a nice mixture between an homage to resident evil 4 and to the previous games so you get uh, there were some moments that were very reminiscent of that um, early resident evil 4 uh, location where like they ever all the villagers are out to kill you and there's that crazy guy with the chainsaw um I, I, you guys don't play a horror game so i'm not sure if you can relate <laughs> but i hope like a lot of people listening are nodding um because in resident evil 8 uh, there's a lot of moments that are reminiscent of that which is really cool it was like you know there's very panic oh my god where should i go is it here oh there's people here oh should i go there oh my god uh and like you know i'm constantly panicking and panicking more and more as i'm trying to like <laughs> to find <laughs> Honestly, a place to go i mean it, listening to this description it sounds more like me trying to get from a meeting to a meeting at gdc <laughs> It's <laughs> like, oh my god, there's people here. Okay, let's go to the other. Oh, it's no, very similar. <laughs> like all, all the people in the meetings are trying to jump at you and bite you. It's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> okay. So, so GDC. Okay. GDC with biting. <laughs> I would play a Resident Evil at a GDC. <laughs> That'd be horrifying. Wait, they made a zombie game in a mall, right? They did. Yeah, uh, Dead Rising. Dead Rising. Yeah, Dead Rising. Yeah. Dead Rising. Yeah. Favorite. One of cool. my favorite games. Yeah. That's a, a fun game. You can smack people with the giant fish in that game. Yeah, that's true. No, I mean the the only. I think the only horror game I really played that I and it's not even a horror game was Dying Light. Dying Light. Oh, is I great. love. Yeah. I love the original Dying Light, and I, I remember being impressed by how dark it was when it got night, which is really like just a power fantasy for you, Faust. If you want to like <laughs> actually see night again. So yeah. why why did you play like Dying Light and not other horror games? I'm curious. Yeah. 
I don't know. I think the thing with Dying Light was it was less. It wasn't quite a horror game. Yeah, it was very much a mobility game, and the the zombies were more used as like um, as uh, dynamic obstacles. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a jump because you know one of my favorite games of all time is Alan Wake. Yeah, which, which is, is definitely sort game. of like a thriller thriller horror game, but it only does two jump scares. Mm. Um, well, I, you know, I play an RPG and it does a jump scare, and I'm like, I'm done. Yeah, <laughs> plus like that's it. Like it just pulls a jump scare on me once, and I'm like, well, you know what? I was having a good time, but my heart rate is like 700, and I'm done. Because hmm. um, like I, I like I, I'm similar to you. I actually like horror themed games. It's just a horror right. genre. Like the ones that are meant to scare you that I have a really hard time with. I, so but like, what, can I make another confession? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Go for it. I I cannot deal with goring games. Yeah, uh-huh. like, I'm not a fan you, of you were, t- you were talking about Mortal Kombat the other day, and I'm just like, I still have nightmares of seeing that uh, fatality where like a dude gets ripped in two. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I saw that once, and I'm like, I can never play a video game again. There's like, like 40 fatalities a, like that. Uh, <laughs> that's the thing. Like every time the fatal, like anytime people are talking about how great the fatalities are, I'm like, I, I watched one seven years ago, and I still like, whenever I think of it, I'm like, oh, nope, nope. Um, <laughs> okay. I, so the, the the specific combination, what I understand of Resident Evil, which is jump scare style horror, uh, executed really well. And the gore in a Resident Evil game, which involves like limbs getting torn off or bitten off or like chainsaws or mm. decapitations, like that combination for me is like maximum not Rami game. <laughs> so play the German versions of games. From what I understand, uh, Left 4 Dead in Germany had no gore. As soon as you killed a zombie, uh, there was no blood splatter and the, the bodies would just disappear. Uh, I don't know if this is still true, but they had regulations against gore in video games back then. That much I know is for 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 real. Um, and uh, that's the thing. Like, I actually Left 4 Dead is one of my favorite games. I absolutely loved it. Uh, same with Dead Rising. Neither of those are really horror games. Like, yeah, the jump scare of the mechanic of the hunter jumping on you is not the same as like an anticipation with the music and the setup of like a jump scare in a horror movie where. Uh, like your heart will beat for five minutes afterwards, like and and not be able to stop. So, Fauzi, yo, this horror game in daylight. Yes. <laughs> what what is? Does it hold up in daylight? Is it is it that good? <laughs> it's it's really good. Like other than you know, sometimes I have a hard time seeing things <laughs> when it's very dark, <laughs> <laughs> and then I have to pause the game. I like you know, I have thick curtains. You need them mm-hmm. uh, in the mm-hmm. summer in the north, mm-hmm. so I have to close all the curtains and come back to the game again. Uh, it's it's really good. I haven't had a lot of jump scares to be honest. Mm. Um, I think it's one of those games that is just a sense of dread the entire time. You're always in danger um, and stuff could happen the entire time. Uh, but I also haven't seen that many puzzles just yet. They have right. they have the... There's like in the, in the early part of the game, there's the Resident Evil classic thing of like grab a crest or a giant piece of uh, art or sculpture and put it on another piece of sculpture and then a door would open or something like that. So there's that still, which uh, which is kind of cool. But it hasn't been like, you know, a puzzle that I need to fix uh, or solve to to uh, to progress just yet. But but I know it's come. Are they doing the, the... They have the giant vampire lady thing, right? I haven't met her yet. <laughs> okay. Oh. I haven't met her yet. Uh, so seen... like I just got to the mansion... A part of the mm. game uh, would I saved uh, to uh, to come up and uh, talking to you guys on this podcast. I, f- I feel like that is for me like when I think of Resident Evil, sort of like systemic thing that chases you, uh-huh. kind of comes to mind really quickly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so I'm 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 very curious about how they because the weird thing about horror games is I love how they work. Yeah, I just can't play them. Like I research each of them. Can you watch them? So. I can watch them as long as it's as as long as somebody else is is being terrified. Yeah, <laughs> right. Then it's entertaining. <laughs> right. Then I can then I can laugh about it because the you know that that is fun. Yeah. There's this amazing video of uh, Sean Plot Day Nine playing I think Amnesia, 
and he <laughs> and the is chasing him and he's screaming like this incredible high-pitched scream and he's just sort of like screaming at the computer and then his phone goes and that scares him even worse <laughs> and then his leg is dancing up and he starts yelling about his leg dancing up and this is 20 seconds of complete chaos oh, that's that so funny. Is, is one of the best that's one of my best experience with horror games was watching sean <laughs> uh horrified uh, you know watching me is very similar uh with the exception right. of like i keep my phone on silent but <laughs> there were multiple times like where am i supposed to go oh my god there's more people here what am i supposed to oh my god <laughs> so, <laughs> so, incoming fauzi streams scary games for the heavy bees i would watch it oh hell yeah it. oh hell yeah <laughs> I'm having a lot of fun with it. Chances are I'll okay. be talking some more about it next week. Um, so yeah, excited I'll to hear. Keep you posted. What's uh, what like? Uh, what are you playing, Osama? Are you are you playing anything? Well, yeah, but actually, I wanted to start to talk about a movie that I saw. Um, oh. I saw the new Disney movie Cruella. <laughs> <laughs> also a horror movie. Yes. <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> Or not really, actually. Uh, so, mean, yes. Is, was there enough Twitter discussion about this that we can talk about, like, some of the plot? So I think the price of admission of Cruella turned a lot of people away. So I don't think all that many people watched it. So I think I'll still stay, stay clear of the plot mostly, but I can still talk about it and its themes right. and the intention the, and the stuff. There's just, there's just one thing I want to ask about later on, but like, okay, let's hear it. Okay, so Cruella is based on the same character, Cruella Deville, from the 101 Dalmatians uh, movies. If anyone hasn't seen those, they're classics, they're really good. There's both an animated version and a live action. Uh, I, I don't remember the live action, I've seen it, I don't remember it, but the animated version I must have seen 100 times when I was a kid. I mm-hmm. really love that. And Cruella is the antagonist uh, of that movie. So going into this one, I really didn't know what to expect. Was she going to be an antagonist again? Was she going to be the, like she's clearly the, the protagonist of this movie in one way, but is it like the bad guy wins type of type of movie or not? And again, without going too much into the the plot, it's a heist movie more than anything else. Uh, and that kind of works because you know she was a criminal and she had like a little band of of uh, misfits that followed her around that she called names. There was a lot to love about the movie. It had a lot of style. And Emma Stone is an incredible actress. She, she oozes charm. Like, you can't help but, like, cheer for her from the beginning of the movie till the end. But the movie was, I think it was shackled by what it had to be. It almost feels like it could have been more if it wasn't a Disney movie and it didn't have to appeal to kids. I'm, I'm happy it appealed to kids, by the way, because I saw it with my kids. So that's not exactly... Uh, a thing I'm going to take away from it. But I feel like the type of story they wanted to tell would have been better if it wasn't a G or I don't know if it's G or PG, whatever it was, if it was, if it was more of an R. Um, the, the character really was portrayed as being like kind of um, an auteur, anti-capitalist in a way, like a visionary, but it felt like they were working within a, a box, you know, like they had to appeal to that demographic. They had all that lore to live up to. They broke some of the, like it's, it is in its own world. Like they, there are some things that Cruella does uh, in, in the other movies, like in, in the, in, it's not a prequel. It's really a reimagining. It's not the same Cruella that, you know, before there's hints of it. And there are a few things that are a little sloppy. Like, you know, there's a, she, she has in the movie that I'll, I'll permit myself a one spoiler. So fast forward 30 seconds if you don't want to hear this. But in the movie, she has two personalities. Like, and it's kind of like a sloppy take on the multiple personality disorder. Uh, it's not, that part wasn't handled gracefully and wasn't done, I, I feel, very respectfully. Um, otherwise, the music is incredible. But the, like some of the plot points are there just because of the other movies, and it, it like it failed the movie. You know what I mean? And like, and it, I, I feel it was like at least thirty minutes too long. <laughs> I think they could have shaved off some time and still had like a, a, a better story. So that's it. Like I enjoyed it. I don't know if it's worth the price of admission uh, as is, um, but like it, it, it was a fun ride throughout. All right. So here, here's the one, the, the one thing, and this is again, this is a spoiler question. 
Okay. Uh, so, you know, we'll figure it out in the show notes or something. But on Twitter, the yes. one thing that I that I got from Cruella... <laughs> I know what you're going to ask. It's <laughs> not... The inciting incident for her getting going evil. Yes. Is that a yes. Dalmatian like drop kicks her mom off a cliff? <laughs> You're very close. Three Dalmatians drop kick <laughs> her mom <laughs> off a cliff. Yes. And that was the first scene where I rolled my eyes big time. <laughs> because that's that's what I mean that the movie was shackled by like what it had to be. Because it she's a villainess in in the cartoon, right? And they needed to kind of justify her anger. So like all the callbacks to the cartoon, they didn't need that. They like if they didn't have the cartoons, if this was just like tell me a story about a new person who who goes through it, it would have been stronger. The other uh, spoiler that I'm going to permit myself since we're in spoiler territory and people can skip if they if they want, is that in the cartoon she kills the Dalmatians and makes a coat for herself. Right. Which is like her. That's who she is. She's walking around with a coat. With right. you know with, with Dalmatian spots, literally dead puppies. Yes, in the movie you see her with the coat at one point, and you're like, oh, she killed the puppies, and then you see the puppies, and you're like, oh, <laughs> she didn't kill the puppies. That's just like a costume that she's wearing that kind of looks like that. Like it's just a th- aesthetic, you know what I mean? Right. Another right. thing that they like, anyway. It's fine. We, uh, I rolled my eyes a couple of times, but I I'm think... just so happy that the dropkick thing is true. <laughs> it's true, and it's so it's so out of left field. It's all like, really? Did you really need that? And all the jokes that it spawned on Twitter about all the other villains getting their own movies and having their own origin stories <laughs> based on like what it is that they hate, like. A bookshelf yeah. fell on Gaston, and that's why he hates books. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> like, it's, it's, it is true, though. Like the for all the you know, Twitter can be very reactive and it can be over the top. But it is a little weird that we're getting all of these movies about villains actually being good people. I'm yeah. like, wait, excuse me, what it are is. what? Wasn't the point of these movies that there are bad people? Like, yeah. was that? I don't know. I don't know. Cruella does not seem like the kind of person that really needed humanizing. No, no. But but okay, I guess. So I was still intrigued. I'm happy I saw it. It it wasn't a perfect movie, but it had a lot lot going for it. I think like a fan edit will come out one day that's going to make it a better movie. (laughs) (laughs) We are in the gritty, uh, gritty, uh, dark um, part of cinema history right now. So it's all about... (laughs) Um, exploring the villains and uh, finding out how they're round, cre- uh, round characters and stuff like that. Right, yeah. Cruella begins. Cruella begins. <laughs> next next exactly. comes the black, white spot of night rises. It's gonna be great. Yep, that's when she really kills a puppy, right? Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I also played a video game. Uh, it's a video game that y'all have played before. I played Observation. Um, oh yeah! Since you spoke about it, until now, it's been on my wait. Isn't that like episode two or three? Episode three, (laughs) the flowers (laughs) for the CIA. It was that episode specifically. This is the episode that started the the whole flowers on our Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) That's the origin story of that dark, uh, gritty reboot. There'll be a movie about it. Not even that. You (laughs) remembered observation from that episode. Yes. Yikes. Well, observation was actually on my on my backlog even before. It just I bumped it up to the top or very close to the top. Uh, since you two mentioned it, because it just sounded intriguing. I really mm-hmm. thought it was a different kind of game. So Observation, um, if, if you want just a little synopsis, I'm not going to go too too deep into the plot, because that's what's special about it, and you all should play it if you haven't played it before. Mm-hmm. But in it, you like the way it starts, is you're an AI, and you're on a spaceship, and you're awakened by this, um, this uh, astronaut, in, in space and astronauts like trying to figure out what happened so while the astronaut is trying to figure out what happened so are you if you go in blind you don't know what's happening you just wake up and you're like oh I, I, I guess I'm a computer I'm an AI uh, okay and then she this astronaut enables like some of your systems and they come on gradually one after the other so the tutorial is seamless you're like oh I could do this now like 
oh, I could jump from camera to camera now. Great. Oh, I could actually turn these knobs on and off and to, to, to accomplish things. Oh, wow, I could actually put my consciousness in this floating orb so I could actually move around the space. So the game impressed me in two ways, like like a lot. It like really, really impressed me in two ways. Um, one is just the, the atmosphere. It was out of this world. I don't know how they were able to do it in a game where you could literally put down the controller most of the time and just wait. They gave you the sense of, of impending doom and urgency all the time. And it was, it was like a false sense in most cases. In most cases, you could just like wait. You could just put the controller down and nothing is actually going to happen. But just from the sound and the events that happened bef- before and the music and the, 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 the voice of the character urging you, the, there's this thing pushing you on. You can't stop playing. I don't know if you, you two felt the same way, but it was like the atmosphere was constantly pushing you forward. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yes. for sure. And the second thing is that the story was genuinely surprising. Like, I, I, it was on my back backlog um, even before. I had seen it. I saw a, a couple of good reviews. I didn't understand what the setup was at all. I didn't even know from the trailer that you were the AI. I thought you were the astronaut and things were going wrong. I did, it wasn't very clear. It was fuzzy. But that setup of you being um, an AI, this, a disembodied AI, and all the abilities that you have on the ship is really something. Uh, when you start seeing the bits and pieces of the story, like, I don't know how much I'm going to spoil it, but it's like shocking. It's not what you expect at all. Right. I mean, I tell everybody, I tell everybody the same thing. Whether you want to play the entire game or not, do yourself a favor, play the intro. Yes, at least right? intro. Exactly. Play, play play the intro until you've seen like the, the game does a, a, a cold open with a late title card. Yeah. Like play and play until the title card. Yeah. yeah, it's it's short. Um, that part is like what twenty right. minutes, thirty minutes. Yes, it's 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 ten to twenty minutes, mm-hmm. and I, I I tell everybody the same thing: play until the title card. I don't think I've met everybody anybody that got to the title card and then didn't finish it. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to push you through. But before the- before before the whole COVID thing, people would come visit. They would play the intro, and then I would just be sitting staring at my TV for the next three and a half hours as they finished the game. Yeah, like <laughs> so. The other really impressive thing about this game is that this is how you'd make indie games like right. I'm sorry that, that if that statement sounds like really out of the field, oh. but the game is so much more than the sum of its parts. It's really simple in its execution. Like there are a lot of complex things about making a 3d game a lot, mostly having to deal with these characters and collisions and animations and how they blend one from the other. All of these things are, are a pain. You need systems for them and you need to QA them and all that. And this game was able, just because of this, of how the game is crafted, was able to bypass most of that. Most of the animations were bespoke. It's just like, wait for this thing to happen and then this character is going to move from this point to that point. And I'm sorry if I'm robbing you of the magic because it doesn't feel that way while you're playing it. But as a game designer, I can't help but analyze this, right? I can't help but right. like, go into the space and be like, Wow, that that character model is really detailed. Wow, the animation was well done. Right. Oh my God, there's only one way that animation can play. They just saved themselves like months of QA just on that little thing. It's incredible. It's the whole game is like economical. that. Yes, mm-hmm. so economical. Yeah, it's incredible. Like it's it's so well done. It really like I I'm I'm still impressed. I'm very very impressed by it. I don't know if you, either of you. I know you've spoken about it before, but if you, either of you have anything to add about it. I mean, it's exactly what you say. It's just an impressive game. I think I think there is definitely a sort of like added appreciation for the game if you're a game developer. Yeah, it feels like it feels like a game that is for game developers in a way where you look at it and you're like, "Wow, y'all did what?" Yeah, with how little effort? Like, I mean, and you got so away with it. That's the part yeah. that's like yeah. what. <laughs> Uh, but I think even if you're not a developer, like it's just a very impressive, very tight narrative experience. Yeah, it's the kind of walking simulator that I love. Yeah, it's very tight. It's very limited. It doesn't overstay its welcome. Uh, if it does, only a little. Um, it it plays with its own form. It pushes against the the, the sort of like shape of the medium. Yep. A beautiful game, like well, flawlessly executed. Seriously, I'm very, very impressed. Kudos to, to whoever worked on it. I don't know anyone was, on the team, but that was No Code, which is a game studio that was before they did um, a game called Stories Untold. Okay, I haven't played that. Not as good 
as observation, but they recently re-released that, uh, so you can now also get it on uh, newer on newer devices. Hmm. Uh, not as good, but still <laughs> an interesting an interesting. You can clearly see the DNA that went into observation later. Uh, a very exciting studio. I can recommend following them on uh, on Twitter. They're underscore no code on Twitter, and I think they're Scottish. Yep, they're the peeps up in uh, Scotland. Yep, <laughs> yeah. good folks. Good, good folks. folks. Uh, small studio, but uh, oh boy, mm-hmm. can they pack a punch? Uh, in <laughs> <that> <laughs> game. Uh, you know, I like about like you know. Uh, uh, an observation in uh, in the atmosphere that it captured. It reminded me a lot of what was that Sandra Bullock movie? Gravity. gravity. Oh, Gravity. Yes. Yeah. Like gravity. There, there were scenes in Gravity when I was like, I feel like I need some air. Like I'm grasping yeah. for air. Yeah. I feel like you know, so claustrophobic and so yeah. uh, depraved of air that I like. I f- I get the feeling that I am in space. An observation right. captured a lot of what Gravity did really really well. And as they sat there at this like uh, this space atmosphere but also the set of the the sense of dread yes, at the right. same time it's yes. like you're in space and something's gone really wrong the entire yeah. time um exactly fantastic game yeah. and it's on yeah. game pass uh, is it still in game when i played it it wasn't uh, game pass. Game pass. it's oh leaving God. game pass i think in a, in a couple really? of weeks yeah ah, okay. I, I believe it's I, if, oh. I i could be mistaken but i think i saw it on the list of games that are leaving game pass soon um okay. yeah. yeah grab it while you can then it's pretty good yeah <laughs> <laughs> absolutely you know the other game like there's one other game like observation that i tend to recommend but it's a bit of a shame those games were partially args uh-huh. so you can't play them exactly the way they were supposed to but these games were called assemblance as one word so not assemblance but a semblance huh. uh, moved together they're very similar, small, economic. They're a lot clunkier, also a lot older than Observation. Um, if you want like a good, weird, spooky, tense, sort of like oppressive atmosphere game, both Assemblance games are really good. Just play them in order if you do play them. Are you played hey, the this o- Observer, the game? Uh, yeah, I did play Observer. That that also yeah, to to different extent, uh, right? Uh, it's just like that uh, that thing, but a lot more cyberpunky. Yeah, right for sure. Rami, uh, I watched you play A Semblance. I remember it. Oh, we were in. Cool. I think we were in Phoenix, and you brought. Was it your PlayStation right. or your Xbox? Yes. Yeah, of yeah. course I brought my PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, I was like, why is this familiar? I'm pretty sure I never played it. And right. it came back to me. So yeah, it looked intriguing. That's why I added it to my list. It's a very it's a very <laughs> similar thing. It kind of like plays with it kind of plays with like your understanding of what like it's spooky because you don't understand what's happening. Yeah. Right. And I think it's such a hard feeling to get right. Like yeah. it's so hard to make it. So that the player or the you know the the audience understands enough to follow sort of like the logical threads, yeah. That they're guessing at what could be true, but that they're somewhat worried about not knowing which one it is or whether any of that what they're thinking is correct. It's such a hard line narratively to walk, and the you know uh, observation walks it so elegantly, so deftly. It's it's really really just yeah. Okay. I'm glad you played it, Osama. Rami, I wanted to, to ask you, um, which Mass Effect are you up to? No. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let me get started on that. I, I wanted to talk about Mass Effect a little bit. Because <laughs> I, made, I made a shocking Mass Effect discovery. Well, kind of. Someone Actually, else is racist? <laughs> I, we spoke about that no last way. week. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no. I looked that last week. <laughs> yes. So I finished Mass Effect 1. And okay. um, I, like I, I've alluded to it before, but Mass Effect One was not my favorite Mass Effect. Um, I, I, you know, played it at the beginning. I saw the potential, and I kind of whizzed through it. I definitely did not have a completionist run. So this mm-hmm. time, when I when I was playing it, after playing um, one of the missions, the like I was like, okay, I know I'm close to the end now. Let me ask people what content I shouldn't miss from the, my first playthrough because my first playthrough I just went through it, and. Uh, unfortunately, it turns out that um, I went too far, <laughs> and the, oh. like I couldn't play the DLC mission because it gets deactivated at that right. point. And there were a lot of missions that just closed off for me yep. because I, I should have like asked that question mm-hmm. literally one mission before I did. I just 
played one mission too many. It's not right. not a big deal. I, I was actually eager to move away from Mass Effect. And I started playing Mass Effect 2. And okay. this is the interesting part. When I first played Mass Effect, I was playing... Um, like the, the, uh, Sorry, when I first played Mass Effect Legendary Edition, the first Mass Effect, um, a lot of, of, of the menus, a lot of the mechanics, I'm like, really? That's how it was? That's not what I remember. Because your brain kind of reprograms, your, reprograms right. itself, right? I'm, I was like, wait, you press Y to heal? Or, or triangle if you're on PlayStation to heal. That's not what I remember. Uh, and wait, how come I, I'm not able to take cover? Like all that, all these things that uh, that I thought the game was different, and I had to remember that Mass Effect One and Mass Effect Two are completely different games in terms of mechanics. It's like they right. were built from the bottom up. Uh, the menus are different. The way you uh, you upgrade your weapons were different. Like the progression was different. A lot. The, uh, they kind of had a similar aesthetic, but it was functionally a very different game. And some things about Mass Effect 1 I preferred, and some things about Mass Effect 2 I preferred. Overall, it was a big uh, improvement. But like I, Mass Effect 2 became a shooter. Like I just a, you had ammo, you had to pick up, you, ha, you, know, you have to reload after a few shots, uh, that kind of stuff just from the gunslinging. The first Mass Effect was like your weapon overheated and cooled down and never ran out of ammo. That kind of stuff felt more sci-fi to me than, you know, the, the 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 reloading of the ammo it was more more Call of Duty and I'm not hating on it I don't mind Call of Duty but it's just that these changes like even the the way you scan planets and the first one was like kind of unsatisfying uh, because you just pressed a button and the planet was scanned and the second one was tedious I'm like right. what is I don't want to do this <laughs> like right. and I, I remember when I played the first Mass Effect like the Legendary Edition I went through the planets I'm like huh why did I remember scanning planets to be so tedious it's not so bad. Whatever. I just press a button. I move on. It's not a big deal. Then I played Mass Effect 2. I'm like, oh, that's what it was. Like, I mean, honestly, the problem with 1 is that all, all you were doing was like dropping the Mako onto planets and yes. then driving from Icon to Icon. Yeah. In Mass Effect 2, they went like, okay, let's make it. Let's not do that. Let's make every planet bespoke and we'll make it a, 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 a scanning mechanic. And they made it way too complicated. I yes. think by 3, they kind of figure out what they needed to do. I can't um, even remember what that is. I'll get to three and I'll let you yeah, know. I won't, I won't tell you. Yeah. I like scanning okay. planets. What's wrong with scanning planets? <laughs> oh, see, I'm, my thumbs are now the thumbs of a 30-year-old man. Okay? <laughs> like, I, like, I can't sit there holding the left thumbstick to the left yeah. for like 35 seconds yeah. while holding the left trigger and then pressing the right trigger. Yeah. Like, I'm, it's, I'm tired, man. It's like, I, get it, I get it. But it's like the yeah. one thing everybody recalls from the game. They were like, yeah. did you play Mass Effect 2? Yes. And I scanned all the planets. Everybody right. says that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all yeah. about scanning all the planets. But that's the thing. It's because the other puzzles in the game were actually clever. Like you felt like a hacker when you were connecting these things, right? Oh no, I didn't. <laughs> okay, I liked I liked them. I yeah. thought they were like I get you get bored of them after a while, but they felt like right. a, a puzzle that you were solving. Uh, right, fair, uh, fair. This didn't feel like a puzzle you're solving. It didn't no. it just it felt like a chore you had to do to me at yeah. least. Mm -hmm. And everyone's different, mm -hmm. and people have different. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Uh, but okay, so this is the big discovery, and it's not my discovery. So one of my my friends, Stefan, who I used to work with at GameLoft all those years back when I played this game, listened to our podcast and sent me a message and said, Osama, you don't remember what happened in your Mass Effect 2 run? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you mentioned that you had to do the comic because you had to play Mass Effect 3, but you didn't mention why. Apparently, I got a red ring of death and I lost my save file. <laughs> oh, no. In Mass Those Effect 2. happening? Yes. And I lost my save file while playing Mass Effect Two. Oh boy, you're in for a, you're in for a treat. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna find out at wow. some point if have I played, played this game before. Three, then? Have you played Three? Yes, Mass I have Effect played Three. three. Okay. I have yeah. played Three, and I used a comic book thing to generate to, to, the choices. The save game, yeah. yeah wow. To generate the choices I, I did before to be able to catch up. I'm almost done. I'm I'm almost done. I'm. Um... I'm finishing up the final DLC of Mass Effect 3 before I go to the to the finish. Mm. And um God, what a series. Just genuinely. It it the the thing that I the thing that I've come to appreciate, I think, most about Mass Effect is that every game is exactly the game it needs to be, even though every game is flawed in its own ways. Mm. Right? Mass Effect 1 is this like strange exploration 
weird RPG game with a shooter like tacked on, exploring these planets, driving over. But you know, the thing you remember from Mass Effect 1 are like a number of big choices and driving over these planets with the Mako, (laughs) right? That's what you remember. But then you get to Mass Effect 2 and you don't get to do that anymore. You end up scanning all these planets, but in your mind, somewhere in your mind, you're imagining it as driving over these planets (laughs) with the Mako. Right. And it and it like explodes the story with all these options and choices. They had all these these choices that you made in Mass Effect One that could come back and surprise you in Mass Effect Two. Mm-hmm. They had all these big choices in Mass Effect Two that like the promise was that they would like move forward into Mass Effect Three. Right. So you remember Mass Effect Two as like these big choices, these like sort of like the the strategic mastermind, like building up to like the the final encounter. And everybody remembers that of Mass Effect Two, mm-hmm. right? And then you go to Mass Effect 3, and there's all these big story conclusions, these big moments, like payoff of like all this different, all these different choices that you've made across Mass Effect 1 and 2. You remember that. And if you think of the Mass Effect trilogy, your mind kind of like blends them together. And you get like the exploration of Mass Effect 1 and the choices of Mass Effect 2 and the story like impact of Mass Effect 3. And you mash all that together, and you actually get a perfect game. Hmm. Right, you get everything. Mm-hmm. Even though the three individual games are not perfect and have like severe flaws in some cases, when you take the best of each of them and you turn them into one memory, yeah, um, the the flaws are overwritten by the good things from the other games. And I had never thought about it, but now that I'm wrapping up on three and I'm I'm thinking about my time with the trilogy, I'm kind of starting to see that that even though they swapped what they were focusing on every time, the end result is this very coherent thing. And I think. The thing that really glues it together for me is is the Normandy. And the way they've built the game around that is just so spectacular. Mm. And you can see how their focus shifts across the games from Mass Effect 1 where it's a, it's definitely a place and it's a place that, that's meant to feel like a return point. I think by Mass Effect 2, they really figured out that the Normandy needed to feel home. And by Mass Effect 3... They 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 kind of nail it. Mm-hmm. Um, what a wonderful, what a wonderful thing to make a home in a game. Like mm-hmm. I think the only other game that really sort of like did that for me was was Destiny with the tower, where mm-hmm. you go home frequently. And I think in MMOs it's a little easier because like Orgrimmar, uh, Orgrimmar in, in World of Warcraft has been a home for me, and like the tower in Destiny has been a home for me. Um, but when I think of the concept of home in a video game. It, it's it's the Normandy. It's the Normandy every single time. Uh, I want the biggest poster of that ship. I want the biggest like model of that ship. Like I've been trying to find a good big model of the Normandy. You could and probably is... you could probably relate to that a lot, uh, Rami, because like uh, your home is on an <laughs> aircraft of some right. sort. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's part of it. But like honestly, like besides that, my home has always been, you know. The, the weird thing is I travel a lot, right? And I go everywhere. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I still think I need an anchor in yeah. life, like a place, right? A, uh, a home. And I think the Normandy, even though I guess it's an airplane now that you're saying it, that's true. <laughs> um, I think still, like, for, for me, it evokes, like, the feeling of of home, of, yeah. of being in a place that I feel safe and um, and that I, that I want to return to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's yeah. I don't know. It's rare in games. It's it's the opposite of what games feel like they're usually about. Uh, it's ne- it's never about the fancy of going home. I'm trying to think back to the games I've played to see if I've had a similar experience of a game that I feel like home because of a location in the game. Usually, that's not what it is for me. It's the sum of like what the game is. It's not. I don't. This I can't think of one specific place. Where I'm like, okay, this feels like home within this game. It's the game itself, like it's being in the game that feels like going back home. And I'm curious, maybe if I give it some more thought, I'll, I'll come up with something. But like, I move right. on a lot from games. <laughs> right. No, but that's the thing. Like for Mass Effect, it's really a place. Yeah. It's really the place because yeah. it it does con- contrast it, right? It does contrast the the, the different places and the home. Uh, but I think it's very similar to my life, right? Yeah. I travel. To all these different places where the rules are different, the languages are different, the cultures are different, everything is different. But then when I go home at the end of the like at the end of the trip, it's 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 this this building with these walls, yeah. right? And within the walls is mine. And I don't know, like a home for me, 
has always kind of been important. Like I, I've told you about, like you know, gr- growing up, how we used to live at my at my grandmother uh, in in um, in Egypt when we would visit. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we were moving to um, to the house that we have now in Moatam. Uh, at first, a home doesn't feel like home, mm-hmm. right? When you when you move, it's it's new, uh, and it's it's kind of scary, honestly. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I find moving very intimidating. Um, I haven't done it much in my life either. Oh, I'm, um, I'm moving next week. <laughs> my new place, actually. Really? <laughs> yeah. I just got a right. new, just got a new place. I'm moving to a different part of Stockholm. I no, think I'm the, I'm the opposite of you, Rami. I just moved moved around quite a bit, actually. You traveled, yeah. You traveled everywhere, right? So, like you know, I lived in a whole bunch of different places. So, like when I tried to, uh, like you're talking about, like an anchor or a place that is. Uh, uh, a place to go back to when I think about it. For me, I, like I have m- many homes, and I kind of like miss all of them. You know, like Tokyo right. was a home for me at some point. New Zealand is a home. Uh, mm-hmm. Berlin is a home, and now Stockholm is a home. So, like a lot of these areas, like you know, there's uh, places I like, people that I love, and a routine that I once had. And all of that, and I like to travel a lot and travel back and visit and see these places. But I don't really. Um, have an anchor in any of them, but in all of them at the same time. I don't know if that makes sense. So it's, it's <laughs> how, how how do you make how do you make a home home then? Like, what are there items that you have to bring, or like is is it just whatever space you're in is home? I used to so like I'm moving a whole bunch of video games with me around the world. <laughs> I was just like posting that on Twitter the other day. I think I have like I don't know a couple of thousand discs. That now I'm going like, oh, I, I moved everything digital because like I'm just yes. tired of either giving away games or giving away books every time I move. Yeah. Um, I have like some small trinkets and stuff like photos on the fridge. Um, there's some guitars that I take with me everywhere I go. It was the one I took with me when I first traveled. It was the only thing I owned. Nice. Um, <laughs> I like, you know, some uh, some bits and pieces that I picked up along the way. That More like stuff with sentimental yeah. value right. than anything. The do- the doilies. The doilies, <laughs> of course. You know, the, the other day, like, I was moving and my friend uh, was like, uh, Fauzi, have some doilies if you'd like for your new place. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, you I don't, took them, right? Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> of course you did. You know, I got to put them on my PS5. I need, I need, <laughs> I need 300 doilies to cover that. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm trying to think because... I haven't moved a lot uh, in my life. Like I've traveled a lot, and the joke was like airplanes are my home. Home, my backpack is my home. But it's it's yeah. not quite true, right? Like I, I need I need a home, and I'm trying to think of like the items that would always come with me. A PS4. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean the not the non-functional items that would always come with me. Yeah. Right. Let and me it's, guess. It's, it's your leather jacket. Uh, <laughs> the, the jacket, the, the jacket, jacket will definitely come. <laughs> no matter what temperature uh, it is, you're wearing that thing. I, I, I just, I just <laughs> wear that jacket. That. We were together right. in Phoenix, Arizona, and it was what was it? Almost 50 degrees Celsius. It was yeah, like an 46. Im- it was an impossible heat, and he was in his leather jacket that he never took off. So it was same experience. We were we spent a week together in Singapore. I like I could <laughs> I could take off my skin if I could. It was so hot. <laughs> And he's just, you know, walking around in his leather jacket. Oh, the funny thing! The funny thing is, normally when people ask about it, I'm like, I'm, I'm Egyptian. But with you guys, I can't do that. Yeah. Egyptians got like, yeah, we're also Arabs. Exactly. We can't do that. Exactly. Also Arabs. Then I get, then I get it, Summer. You're in Montreal. Like, I don't know, like how you deal with the cold. Yeah. Honestly, we, we have both extremes. By the way, our hots are very hot as your, well. They don't last hot, long. Your hots are hot, but yeah. they're they're like different hot. Yeah, like. But they're suffocating hot because we get humidity. Sure, but your cold is ridiculous. Yeah, like, I can deal with hot is not an issue for me. Yeah, I'm Egyptian. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, it works in this context, believe me. Right, but minus thirty five, like what is that? Yeah, it's impossibly like, cold here. Which which person moved? Like you know what? Which settler or colonist moved <laughs> through Canada? Build a home. Like if we're speaking of home anyway, yes. build a home in the middle of like some rivers and then stayed there when winter came you know what's really funny is that we were never meant to come to montreal it was a layover 
what happened is because like my, my family, we, I was born in Iraq. My family grew up in Iraq. We left Iraq and we went to the Arab Emirates for four years. And my dad is a petroleum engineer. And he right. had an interview in Alberta because they have oil in Alberta, Canada. There's no oil in Montreal. And there was a layover in Montreal. And my parents, when they stopped in Montreal and they saw how like ethnically diverse it was and how multicultural it was, then went to Alberta and saw how it's not that. <laughs> not it's not, <laughs> my dad was like, okay, we're not going to move to that place. We'll move to this one and figure out work. Because that right. is the kind of thing that you like. It's very difficult uh, to grow up in a place where you're like, it was difficult enough, like being here, right? right? So imagine. Uh, what it's like in Alberta, where it was really we would have been the minority of the minorities, right? There's right. barely, barely any anyone there who's not uh, white, yeah. who doesn't fit that form. So wow. uh, yeah, so it was really if there was no layover in Montreal, I would have been a very different person who grew up in a very different place. <laughs> you you would still you would still be you. You'd I hope so, be... but I mean, yeah. I, I moved there when I, like we we moved to Canada when I was five. That's a long well, yeah, time. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I was really really young. Uh, what was? Do, do you remember your home before that? Yes, in, in, I have uh, in Emirates. Then, yes, right? you I do remember that. Yes, I do remember a lot of the things about the the, the Emirates, um, but it's all like fragmented memories that was reconstructed in some cases by pictures. You know how it, it is, right? right? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I the thing is, when you're that young, the things you remember are not that impressive to anyone else. Like I remember our neighbor had a cat, and I would they would let me pet the cat like <laughs> that's a vivid memory but it like it reconstructs the whole area like i know what their 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 apartment looks like because they would allow me to go there and pet their cat like that kind of thing you know what i mean and it, in the arab world having a pet cat was uncommon uh, the, uh especially at that time so it was noteworthy that they they had a cat cats right, were, they're just on the street they're everywhere right they're not right so for for that that was noteworthy and because of that it stuck with me like those are the kind right. of things I remember compared to my parents who remember like life events, like huge things. <laughs> but I went back and I visited Iraq several times, like, you know, when I was 12, 16, 30, like all those times, um, but never to the Emirates. To me, the Emirates is forever stuck uh, with memories of a four-year-old Osama. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You should go back sometime. Yeah, I'd love to. I actually came close. I was invited to uh, a conference in, in Abu Dhabi. I was actually in, uh, uh, sorry, in Dubai, but I wasn't actually in Abu Dhabi when I was in Emirates. Uh, mm. But I was invited to a conference in Dubai and COVID put that to an end. So right. unfortunately, oh, yeah. I wasn't able to go, but I was this close to going back. And, well, inshallah. But, inshallah. Know, inshallah soon. Yeah, we'll start playing soon. a very different country for you when you see it. Yes, yeah, for I'm sure. sure. I'm sure. Like it's gone through a crazy amount of change, like especially if you haven't been since you were like five. Yeah, this is right. like more than thirty-five Which, years ago. Yeah, I was just about to say for Osama, that's also like fifty something years ago. <laughs> your math is—I forgive you for your math, Ravi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just—I'm just mentally making you older every time we speak. Like, I just wanna—I want to keep the hug Osama yeah, thing going. That, that's one thing you have in common with my kids; they do the same thing. <laughs> Those millennials. <laughs> oh my god! But <laughs> <laughs> Fauzi, you travel. You traveled a lot as well. Where were you, where were your homes? So, uh, born in uh, Saudi Arabia, spent most of my childhood between Saudi Arabia and Jordan. Uh, mm-hmm. Then uh, lived in Jordan, uh, New Zealand, Japan, Germany, and now Sweden. So seven homes in total. Wow. There was a stint in Thailand for a bit, but it doesn't count in the same way. But yeah, seven mm. seven homes in a bit. And it's a it's a really um uh interesting thing. It's like, you know, I'm I I say that to some people. I'm in a perpetual state of homesickness. <laughs> right. Wherever yeah. wherever I go, I'm homesick. Like when I'm in Jordan, I'm homesick to a bunch of places. I'm in right. Sweden, I'm I'm you know, I miss a bunch of places. And like um I left Japan and I went back for a visit. It was 2019, uh, last time I was in Tokyo. Uh, it was three years in between. And when I went back to Tokyo, it was like, you know, that feeling that you get when you go back home. Like, oh, yes, great. I can finally mm. uh, go back to eat the stuff that I miss, uh, go back to my favorite restaurants, uh, mm. catch up with all my friends I haven't seen in a while, and do the things that I used to do and that kind of stuff. Um and yeah, it's just the same for me whenever I go to any any city. Berlin is like that now. 
and Stockholm is definitely like that when I fly back. Right. So, uh, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, for, for me, home was always two places. We had a home in the Netherlands, we had a home in Egypt. And mm-hmm. the, the home in the Netherlands, that was, you know, a lot of my childhood memories were there. And the home in Egypt was always like the nicer home because mm-hmm. it was the vacation home, so there wouldn't be school. <laughs> uh, but I, rem- I remember that house coming together and it was this it's this this uh, four-story apartment because the the neighborhood it's in had a had a, um, a height um requirement it couldn't be taller than four floor four floors uh-huh. um and at the bottom floor you would have like the the entrance and there would be a garage that was never finished and a guy lived there uh a web uh-huh. uh concierge right um and uh his name was ali uh and uh him and his family lived there and and he took care of the building basically it was this white building very traditional sort of like egyptian style balconies all, all you know yeah. four floors of balconies um we live on the third floor and it's just this I, we talked about it a little bit about the on, on the the um, what was it the interior design episode yeah. right yeah. a very egyptian house uh, and i would have a room with my brother uh mm. with air conditioning uh and that for me that was that that room honestly was 90% of my time there because i would be sitting you know if i was at home i would be on my game <laughs> <laughs> or on my lap, <laughs> uh, getting yelled at by my aunties to come out for food. Um, but yeah, no, I don't know. Like the, I always had two homes. Yeah, and I think I recognize the feeling you talk about, Fauzi, mm. in that I I always felt too Dutch to be Egyptian, and always felt too Egyptian to be Dutch. Mm-hmm. I can imagine for you that's way more right. Like you're you you feel too much everything to be anything. There's there's a lot yeah I, I really get a lot of that like you know like uh, when I watch the Olympics <laughs> and like you know <laughs> I like you know or the World Cup and there's like you know teams playing against each other like I could cheer for like at least seven teams if not more right you know yeah. well I mean a much higher chance of winning yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, it's I'm very interesting judging. because like in, depending on what circle I'm in it it has a shift because like I'm, I, I identify as both Your Iraqi and Canadian. Yeah. But if yeah. I'm, if I'm like in, in a Canadian setting, I'm Iraqi, but mm-hmm. if I'm in a international setting, like when I'm in some, like, I don't know, wherever I'm in Australia talking then to you're people, Canadian. and I'm Canadian and it's, right. it's not, it's not something I do consciously. It's just, that's how mm-hmm. I present myself. Um, I'm curious. Other I'm, the, I'm the oddball in every setting. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm the guy that lives everywhere. Um, in every right, setting. But- but what, which which countries? Which I can't ask. Which ones do you like best? But it's hard because I hate that question when people ask me that. Like, what do you like better, Netherlands or Egypt? They they they're both their own places. Yeah. Right? They're both home in different ways. But this question I can answer: uh-huh. If um, if Jordan was playing Japan in the World Cup final, <laughs> <laughs> so if that happened, first of all, like first of all, Jordan so, making it to the World Cup to begin with, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not going to talk about the specifics of how it happened. <laughs> and then this Japan happened. making it to the final, like there's there's so much miracles that has happened at this point. I am ecstatic. That this it is wonderful. It is a wonderful year for for Jordanian and Japanese <laughs> soccer. But <laughs> which flag goes up? Legendary year. Uh, now, uh, oh man, that's so hard. You know what? Like there was one time, like the the uh, the Jordan and Japan played uh, against each other. It was an uh, Asian final. Uh-huh. Oh, and I couldn't de- I couldn't decide on who to cheer for. <laughs> one uh i forgot as well i think it was japan because like you know like generally like i like maybe i like i'd feel peer pressure from the people around me that i have to take the right. stands but you like were watching this from germany probably <laughs> <laughs> but like when japan scored i was happy and when jordan scored i was happy you know <laughs> yeah of course I always I had a hard time. I th- I remember the Netherlands playing Egypt once, and I just didn't know what to do with myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what am I? What am I supposed to do? Like, uh, and you you kind of want to cheer and cry at the same time. <laughs> like, go! Oh, oh no! Wait! Oh wait! No! Yes! No! You root for a wait. tie. <laughs> 
You yeah, want? but that's why that's why I went with finals because yeah. you can't get a tie. You can't, no. Can you imagine having to watch a penalty shootout between Jordan and Japan? <laughs> Can you imagine? The, the tension. Like, uh, yeah, just go to bed. Like, halas, I'm not watching know this. You know, <laughs> I'll Google it tomorrow. Someone, someone once told me, like, you know, as I talked about these things, like, you know, um, home is not the land. Or the mm-hmm. piece of earth where it is. Home is, you know, where the where the people you care about are. So mm-hmm. even in this uh, virtual um, uh, virtual uh, uh, world, this, uh, you know, this um, hour or so that we spent together every time, every week, the three of us, that's a, you know, a, a bit of a, a piece of home. And I, you yeah. know, I get with people mm-hmm. that I like and, you know, I spend Very time true. with and we get to talk. Absolutely. Um, so where, wherever we go, I, I keep, you know, joking about this. Um, I've never seen Rami in the Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, I've, I've never seen him in the Netherlands. Like I've, I've seen, like I see Rami like five, six times a year. But never mm. in the Netherlands. <laughs> Always somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think you've ever seen me in Germany or now in Sweden. Like <laughs> just no. just no, end up meeting in like different places. Right. Like I I could yeah. never like to invite Rami to my to my house and like you know cook him a meal or something like this. Right. We're always in some some random place. So like you know the, right. the construct of home I believe is around you know the people you love wherever they are. Yeah. You know Absolutely. what? That, that's, true. that's true. It also it also makes it that many places can be home now. Yes, which is nice. Which is I good. think that is a yeah. That's a nice thing about this. Honestly, about this industry, about this work, about this job. Yeah. I think the games industry for me became home uh, yeah. as well. Absolutely, which is nice. Absolutely, nice for a nomad. <laughs> Yeah. You know we're Arabs, right? The nomad, right. nomads, yeah. uh, nomads uh, by our DNA. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Travelers and nomads. Yeah. Travelers and nomads. Well, I hope we <laughs> yeah. can, you know, travel to uh, to a place all at the same time soon. I would love now, as like love you know, things are starting getting better. Habibi's travel. That Habibis would be fun. Travel. Habibi's on the road. Europe in a while. Habibis. Maybe I'll come to you. <laughs> yeah, come to Europe sometime. Yeah, I'd love to. Yes. You, you pick where, where do we meet up? Are we going to go to Denmark? We're just going to go in the middle <laughs> between the Netherlands and stuff. <laughs> I'm down for that. Yeah, Denmark, why not? Yeah, I could do, I could do a Denmark. Yeah. I've never been to Denmark. It's a nice place. Perfect. Or Sweden or the Netherlands for that. I think the, the only places I've been in Europe are France. And what we can do, what we can do is we can do, we can, you can fly to the Netherlands, stay with me, then I'll, I'll drive you to Copenhagen in Denmark and Fozzie drives there as well. Yep. Sounds great. And then we hang out there for a few days and then Fozzie takes you and drives on to, to Stockholm. We'll, record, uh, we'll record that episode in the flesh. That'll be our first Habibi's <laughs> episode. In Denmark. We're actually in the it. same room in Denmark. Yes. That'll be amazing. Maybe it I should be so Switzerland because it's completely neutral. And that's Trying to think, trying to think of what the neutral Arab country is, and I gave up. Uh, yeah, oh, no, it doesn't no, exist. No, no, no such thing. Oh, neutrality. Switzerland is also a mess. Let's do Denmark. Right. I prefer Denmark. All right, Denmark is. All right. So until we Good. record this episode in the flesh, uh, we keep on recording these virtually, and I think that's the end of this one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah beautiful. I think, I think beautiful. That was a good. That was a good. It was a good. Good time talking about home, and then realizing that really this podcast and the community and the Discord has kind of become a home. Really, Absolutely. really is. Really has. <laughs> Great. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for joining us uh, on our Discord. Thank you for uh, for being a part of uh, a part of our lives and a part of our discussions. And uh, keep the conversation going. We would love to hear from you. Um, but for now, salam. 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 That was the Habibis podcast for this week. I am Fauzi Masmar, your host for this episode. You can find me on Twitter at Fauzi Masmar. My fellow Habibis were Osama Dorias, who you can find on Twitter at Osama Dorias, and Rami Ismail, who you can find on Twitter at THA underscore Rami. Send us your questions, stories, and suggestions via info at thehabibis.com. Intro and outro music was provided by Malik Zubela, and the logo was provided by Ibrahim Hamdi. The Habibis is a weekly podcast about three game developers drinking good Arab tea with new episodes launching every Friday, inshallah. If you enjoyed the show, 
don't forget to subscribe to your favorite podcasting service or check out thehabibis.com for more information. Thank you for listening. Salam.